Do you guys see that? First service was like, ooh, you guys are pretty quiet. It's pretty cool, huh? Cool sign. You guys have got to thank Sawyer because he was in charge of all the merch and all this stuff that we're doing right now, and he doesn't even get to experience it today. If you're online, Sawyer, we love you. Thank you for all that you do. So we're starting a new vision series today, and it's going to go for the next three weeks. And we need a vision because vision shows us where we're going. When we use the, the word vision here, what we're talking about is where we're going over the next several years. Because our mission as a church is not going to change. We are all about helping people follow Jesus. That's not going to change. But a vision is where we're going. And we want to be crystal clear with it. Some of you are like, oh, we're already going in that direction. But I want to be crystal clear with this so we all know where we're going. Because a church is not an organization. It's not a building. It's a group of people who come together. And we as a church, as a Rice Church Denver, want to go in the same direction together. And that's so important. For us Coloradans, we are used to hiking where you can kind of see where you're going to go. You know you're going to the mountaintop. You know you're trying to get up the 14er if you don't vomit too much, right? We know where we're going. We have a point in the distance, and we kind of go towards it, and it's kind of easy to know where you're going. But if, if we took any one of us and dropped us in the middle of the desert and just said, go somewhere, do you know what we would do? We would all walk around in circles, because most people's legs are not the same length, and you don't even realize it, and, and we walk like this. Even if we're trying to go somewhere, we don't know where we're going. We're just going to walk around in circles. Did you know that's what you do in the desert? Unless you have a clear bearing of where you're going, you need to have a vision of what the destination is. So that's what we want to do for our church, to say this is where we're all going together. So we don't wander around, so we don't walk around in circles doing nothing, but that together, collectively, we can go towards a destination. In the scriptures, God says in Proverbs 29, 15, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. We need a vision, and we need a vision from God if we want to find life, and the best life. So this idea of vision, I, I think, is so important. And really, I've been thinking about it for a long time, but was really trying to like, how, how do we as a church kind of know where we're going next? And I've been praying about it for so long. Our elders have been praying. Our staff has been praying. And, and really, it's like been more than just like a few years, but like, like a decade, I've been like, what's, what's like the vision that we can all see in our mind's eye and know together where we're going? And I was praying and praying and praying forever. And finally, like, I, I really feel like God puts something clearly on my mind and heart. And he doesn't do that all the time. It's not like God's speaking to me all the time, right? That way, but he, he did. I really put something on my mind and heart. I ran it by the staff and the elders, like, what do you guys think? I talked about it with Melissa. And, and we were all like, wow, I think this is, this is it. And it's three words. Seek the one. Seek the one. And in today's message and over the next three weeks, we're going to explain what this phrase means and why we can all and should be able to visualize what this means so that we all know what we're doing and where we're going and what it means for us. Seek the one. And I think it's so critical because of the time and the place that God has put Arise Church Denver. Think about the time that we're living in. We live in a time where there's been so much progress, right? Scientific advancement, technological advancement. And yet there are some problems that keep getting worse. We have never been more connected, yet we've never felt more alone. Loneliness is at an all-time high. That we have more drugs and medicine that seem to work, and yet we have more anxiety, more depression, more suicides than ever. 
that we can connect with all sorts of people who are different than us, yet racial divisions, political tensions, crime is, seems to be at an all-time high right now. Things keep getting worse, though they should be getting better, right? And we look around. Some of us feel that tension internally. We see it with the other people around us. But, but if we look in our city, things are real bad. Did you know our neighborhood has like the worst car theft in, in the state? And Denver's the worst city in the country? Did you realize that? That's our neighborhood. There are problems. And in a five-mile radius of our church, there are 350,000 men, women, and children who are unchurched. 350,000. And this means because they don't know Jesus, they don't know the best life, and they don't have eternal life. That means they're going to suffer now and suffer forever. And hell is hot, and eternity is a long time. There are eternal stakes right now based on the time and the place God has placed us. Right now, maybe you saw this, it was in the news this week, but people who claim the name of Jesus, claim to be Christians, that number is going down every single year in our country, and it's projected within the next 30 to 40 years uh, that Christianity will no longer be claimed by the majority of Americans. Now, if you look at the statistics, it's like 20%, 18 20% who are actually going to church anyways, but... They don't even want to do anything with Christianity. Like, I don't want to claim that name anymore. I don't even want to pretend to be a Christian. Less and less people are believing in Jesus. Less and less people are going to church. And we look at that. In this city where there are twice as many, Christ- or twice as many dogs as there are Christians and more marijuana dispensaries than there are gospel-claiming churches, like we have work to do. God has put us in this time and in this place to make a difference because there is darkness around us And we are called to arise and shine. And that's why I think this phrase, seek the one, can really help us accomplish the mission God has called us to. Become the church we are supposed to do and make a difference in this area and around the world. Seek the one. So Matt, what does seek the one mean? What does seek the one mean? I'm glad you asked. Seek the one. There's three components to this. And over the next three weeks, we're going to tackle one of the three components. And the first one is that we need to realize that God sought us first. God seeks us first. It starts there. It doesn't start us with us doing more and being better. God seeks us first. And that's the biblical theological foundation for everything we're going to do. We have to remember that. God seeks us first. And that's what we're going to focus on today in, in this message. Next week, we're going to talk about how we then must turn around and seek him to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all those other things will be added unto you as well. To seek him, to passionately go after him. When we come in here and worship, we are passionate in seeking after him and worshiping him. And with our lives, we put him first. He's our king. So we seek the one with all we are. I want you to remember that when you see that phrase. But then the third component of it is that we then must go out to seek others. We must seek the one. Because there are lost people around us, people who are struggling, hurting, and we must go after the one. We must seek the one. So those are the three components of what seek the one means. And whenever you see it, whether you get the t-shirt or you see it or you get a sticker, there's some free stickers you can grab on the way out too on that little kiosk in the entryway that we remember those three components of it. We come in and worship, we seek the one, and we go out to seek the one every single week. 
And I believe that this phrase and, and some of the images it should invoke in your mind will lead us as a church to know where we're going and who we are becoming. Seek the one. So we're going to start with that first one, okay? God seeks us. We're going to start with that first one. We're going to learn what that means biblically from the words of Jesus himself. So if you have a Bible, open with me to Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. Matthew chapter 18, 12. You can use your smartphone as well. And if you have that, you can um, get the YouVersion Bible app. And if you go to the bottom right-hand corner, there's three lines. Click that. Find the event for a Rise Church Denver. And you can take notes, see all the scripture that we're using this week, and, and save that right there on your phone. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18, verse 12, and we're going to learn three ways today how God seeks us, and it's going to be so important, three ways that God seeks us, and the first one is the aim, which is the one. The aim of God, the way he seeks us, is the one. So let's listen to what Jesus tells us about our Father in heaven. Verse 12, Jesus says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away. Did you see that one? You saw that? Okay, I'm, I'm getting this from the text. You guys see that, right? Okay. When the one wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that, what? One sheep then about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. So Jesus is talking about the little ones. I think there's a specific application for kids, for children here. But at the very beginning of this chapter, Jesus has said, you must become like one of these little ones in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. So I think that this applies to all of us. And we'll see when Jesus tells this parable in a different um, section, you'll kind of see the same thing. Thank you, honey. Can you guys applaud my beautiful wife up here? Thank you for giving me water. I'm a little horse today. <clears throat> so we see there that Jesus says, our, our Father in heaven, God has one singular aim, the one. He has 99, but he leaves them to go after the one. He doesn't say, wow, what a great flock I got. Who cares about that one? He doesn't say, well, 99, let's just round that up to 100. That's what we do. We like to round up, right? We're, we're good. Let's leave that one. No. He leaves the 99 that he has. He's like, that one is that important. I'm going to go after that one. That's my aim. That's who I'm going to seek. That's what God does. He cares about the one. Let me tell you how important this is. Because every one of us struggles with different things. And we all have problems. And some of us wander away from God. And God knows what we did. Even the sins, the awful sins that we did last night. And some of us tend to think, oh, God doesn't care about me. Or, or because I've messed up so bad, I don't know if he really cares. That's, that's what we think. We think, well, my spouse doesn't like me right now. My ex definitely doesn't like me. My kids, well, let's not even go there. My friends, man, I'm struggling with them. Like, I don't know. And, and we, we think we apply that to God, but the reality is that God sees that. He sees all the terrible things we do, the sin we fall into, the things we did last night. We're on the way to church this morning. He sees that, and he loves us. He goes after the one. God sees you, Rocky, and he loves you. 
He's coming after you, the one. Roxanne, God is coming after you. He loves you. And that goes for every single one of us. He will leave the 99 for you because he loves you that much. That's the heart of God. His aim is the one who's wandering away. And that's how God seeks us. And we must remember that. He cares about each one of us. He's not about building a crowd and he's like, oh, look how many followers I got on Facebook. How many TikTok viewers I have. He doesn't care. He wants the one. That's who God is after. The one. So that's the first thing we learn about the way God seeks us. The aim is the one. The second thing we learn about the way God seeks us is the attitude that God has. Yes, it tells us God's attitude for how he seeks us. And it's happiness. It's happiness. It's not that God is like, ugh, these foolish, stupid people. Sinning again. No, he happily comes after us. It says that in this parable. Look with me at verse 13. Talking about the shepherd and God. And if he finds that one lost sheep, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. And if you're like, well, that's just comparatively. But Jesus actually teaches the same parable in a different context in Luke chapter 15. And listen to what, what Jesus says there. In Luke 15, verse 5, Jesus says, and when he finds it, that shepherd, he happily, did you read that? He happily puts it on his shoulders and goes home. He calls to his friends and neighbors and says, be happy with me because I found my lost sheep. There's nothing that makes God happier than when you come home, than when you're in a relationship with him. He loves it. We did a whole series back in April and May. If you missed it, I'm sorry, but it was called How to Be Happy. And if you missed it, you can go back and listen to that. If you're watching online, please watch this one first, then go back and listen to those messages. But in the week one in that series, we learned that God is happy because of us. He is a happy, joyful God because he loves us so much. He is our father. And what father doesn't love his kids when they come home? In the first service, and I, I feel like I'm still like recovering, first service, I was like really emotional because during the worship time, and, and man, it was good. Wasn't the worship set great this morning? Yeah, man, wow, powerful. I was already emotional with that, and then my daughter Evie, two and a half, comes over to me, and, and I pick her up, and she is just nuzzling into me, giving me kisses, and I'm like, oh, I'm worshiping God, and this... My child loves me and wants me to just hold her and hug her. Man, I'm, I was getting emotional, right? I'm, like, I'm still like sniffly a little bit. Because I, I love my daughter. And I love that she loves me. And that makes me so happy. And that's how your Father in Heaven feels about you. He happily seeks after you, even when you're a sinner. It's like, I love you. You're my child. Come home. I want you. I love you. So the attitude of the way God seeks us is happiness. Isn't that cool? It's happiness. The third thing we need to learn about the way God seeks us is the action, or the actions that God takes. And it's seeking. He's seeking after us. He doesn't wait and say, why don't they get their act together and come back? Stupid kids, always sinning. They know better. No, God seeks after us. 
He comes after us first. In Matthew 18, 12, I want you to see this in, in the New King James Version. It says, what do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? That's where we get this phrase, seek the one. He goes, he looks, he moves, he takes action, and he seeks after that sheep. Who knows how far the sheep has wandered? And some of you have wandered very far from God. You've gone astray for years or decades. You've gotten into some bad stuff with some really bad people. And God still is coming after you, seeking you out. And what I love the most is the way that Jesus describes God in Luke 15. Let's look at it again, because this is the image that I really want to, to sear into your skull. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. This is God. He seeks after that one lost sheep. When he finds it, he picks it up, puts it on his shoulders, and goes home. Happy, happy to carry that sheep home. That's amazing, isn't it? This means God is doing all the work. Some of you think, I came back to God. I got baptized. I did good things. I started giving and serving. Look at me. God was the one who changed your heart. God was the one who drew you to himself and came after you. God was the one who gave you the strength to serve and give. It was all God the whole time. He's carrying you on his shoulders. Sure, you went a journey, but you did nothing the whole way, okay? It's really interesting. I asked in the first service, has anybody picked up a sheep? Has anybody picked up a sheep like this on their shoulders? Anybody? I have one person in the back. Kelsey, you're awesome. <clears throat> Alice came up to me after the first service. She's in like that whole realm. She's a zoologist, does all sorts of things. She's like, I've done it. And I was like, really? What is it like? And she's like, the craziest thing is they kind of struggle. They're weird. It's kind of hard and awkward to get them up. But then they just kind of rest. They don't move at all. And you can just carry them, do whatever you want. Interesting, huh? That's what God's doing with us. Sometimes, some of us like struggle at first. Like, I don't know if I believe. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to be one of those Christian, crazy Christians. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, here I am. <laughs> I don't know what happened to me. God was doing that whole thing. He's carrying you back on his shoulders. Have you ever carried a person on your shoulders? Somebody has, okay. <clears throat> Do you guys remember Chad Smith? He was in our church a couple years ago. And in 2020, he um, married Madison and they moved to Woodland Park. But Chad and I used to, to work out, and you got to know that Chad um, was an Army um, special ops guy. <laughs> he had served um, five tours of duty in Afghanistan and in Iraq, <clears throat> so he's, you know, pretty big dude, right? He knows his stuff. So we would work out, and I don't know why he'd work out with someone like me. I'm like, look at me, right? But we'd work out, and sometimes Taylor Dennington, he was here in the first service, the three of us would work out. And I remember one day, we were at Central Park working out together, and Chad always came up with, like, the craziest things for us to do. And one day, he's like, okay, we're going to carry each other up the hill at Central Park. <laughs> Who does that, like, working out with dudes in the morning? 6 a.m., people are driving by. What are those crazy dudes doing? And I was like, I don't know how to carry a human being, like... What do you do? Like, and it's so awkward. Like, where do you put the arm? Where do you? Uh, and like, and I'm the smallest dude. Like, that's not fair to me that I have to carry them up the hill. But that's what we did. We took turns carrying each other up the hill. And I'm going like this, and it's awkward because it's like kind of close and intimate, and 
a little gross, right? But you're like, okay. And then you do it, and it's hard. Man, I remember those workouts, how hard it was to carry a person up the hill, set them down, and then we went back down, and then we did it again. Like, we do this over and over again. <clears throat> it was hard. It is difficult. It's close and intimate. And Jesus says, God does that for us. Sees us how heavy we are, how awkward. Some of us have gotten real heavy, and God, Jesus is like, okay, God's gonna take you put you on his shoulders, and carry you all the way home. doesn't matter how far you have wandered away, no matter what you've done, God still wants to pick you up and carry you home on his shoulders. It's amazing, right? And that is the image I want seared into your head when you think about Seek It, the one. God carrying us on his shoulders all the way home. What's amazing is that God did this for us. He did. Now, if you look at all the other religions of the world, it's like all the gods or God or whatever. It's like, come back to me, do all the right stuff, say the right words, start serving, start giving. You're not a good enough person. Come back. And God's like stationary, it seems like, but not in Christianity. In our faith, God loves us so much. His aim is for the one that he leaves everything behind, the 99, right, to come out through us through his son, Jesus Christ. God became a human to come after us, to seek after us, whatever it takes. And that's why Jesus tells us that he actually is that shepherd that he was talking about. In John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, the abundant life. He says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That's who Jesus is and what he did for us. Left the 99 for us, for the one. Came and walked among us, served us, loved us, and gave his life for us. So did someone mention this after the first service? That Jesus literally took our cross upon his shoulders and went and laid down his life, dying in our place. He took our sins, our punishment upon himself that we could be forgiven and set free to give us the best life now and the only way to eternal life later. Jesus sought us with everything because he loves us and he did it happily. In Hebrews 12 too, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus was happy to give his life to rescue you, the one. And what's even more significant, and this is where we're going to kind of get into our vision, is that Jesus sends us out the same way to seek the one. I want you to see this in in John chapter 20. Jesus says this twice in in the Gospel of John, but here you read it in, in verse 21. He says, as the Father has sent me, Jesus said, I am sending you. If the Father sent me on a rescue mission after the one sheep, at great sacrifice to myself to come after you, Jesus is saying, I'm sending you the same way. This doesn't just mean like wear a cool church t-shirt. It doesn't mean, oh, I guess I'll, you know, share on Facebook how cool the sermon was. This means we are sent after the one, to seek the one, to find people who are lost and wandering and go after them. Whatever it takes 
to find them, to love them, to invite them back, and even put them on our shoulders and carry them home. If that's what it takes to seek the one. As the Father has sent Jesus, Jesus sends us. And that's the kind of church I want us to be. I, um, I told my uh, testimony so many times. If you've been here at all for a few years, you've probably heard it like 100 times. <clears throat> that when I was um, 18, I, I, I had grown up in a Christian home, been saved. I, I really think I was a genuine believer in Jesus Christ. But I was wandering. I was lost into my late high school years and beginning of college. And I was not doing what I should do. And, and when I was 18, me and some buddies broke into a warehouse, vandalized it, and got arrested. This wasn't the first illegal thing I did. This is the first time I got caught, right? And I spent a, a night in a holding cell, and I was just expecting going in. Like, I know better. I had even felt called to be a pastor. I was not walking with God like I should. I was wandering. I was, I was lost. And I expected God to, like, give me that divine spanking. You know better. You should be ashamed of yourself. That's what I was expecting. Little did I know that I experienced in that freezing cold holding cell, because they don't turn on the heat in Colorado winters, in that cold holding cell, I felt God's grace and forgiveness unlike ever before. I knew in that moment I was loved and forgiven, and God was happy with me. And I was like, wow, I've got to go tell other people about this. I've told you that testimony before, right? You've heard it, <laughs> a lot of you. But there's a part of my testimony that I don't tell very often. <clears throat> because that happened uh, like in December when I was 18. And when I had started going to college at CSU, I remember at the beginning of the school year, I realized I was wandering away and God had called me to be a pastor. So I started meeting with a guy named Dave Bachman who worked for the Navigators. And Dave started mentoring me, discipling me. He started reading the Bible with me every week. We'd memorize scripture together. He got me in a Bible study with some other guys. He was looking after me, giving me wisdom, and that was three months before I went to jail. Yeah, I don't like telling that part of the story, right? Somebody laughed for a service. You can laugh at me, right? But isn't that how it is? After three months, I should have grown enough not to be living like that, right? I should have been wiser. I should have been smarter. I should have been less sinful, but I wasn't. But do you know what's amazing? Is that you know who was there after I was in jail? It was Dave. He still met with me. He's like, so what'd you learn? <laughs> How can we grow from this? Because he was a campus leader, I was able to get a lot of my community service that I owed done through Dave. He signed off on it. He was happy to keep working with me and teaching me, spending every week with me. Dave carried me on his shoulder. And I didn't deserve it, right? But he did it for me. And I want us to be a church that does that for others. I want us to be the ones who seek after the one. Pick them up on our shoulders. And even if they sin again and do something stupid, and you're like, they should know better, we still are there for them. To love them, to invite them back, to encourage them, to be with them through their rehab, to visit them in jail, even if it's behind glass. I'm there for you. I want us to be sent like Jesus was sent, to seek the one. That's the kind of church I want us to be.
Now, I wrote in one page, and, and the staff has seen this, the elder board, we've all kind of worked on this together. But in one page, if I could describe what our church is like, some of it, those things are already starting to happen. Some of them are like aspirational. But if in one page I could say, this is what our church is about, this is it. And I want to read it to you guys. Because this, I believe, is the vision of where God is leading us. And, and it all comes back to that phrase, seek the one. Arise says, is a church focused on one thing, helping people follow Jesus. Therefore, we are a church that owns the phrase, seek the one. Because Jesus sought us, leaving the 99 for the one who was lost, we seek him and we seek after the lost around us. Because of this focus, arises a light. We infuse hope, happiness, and community into everything we do so that we are a beacon to a dark, unhappy, and lonely world. Arises transformational. We open up God's word and hear from him. The teaching is clear, relevant, and passionate. We offer something practical and powerful, leaving people changed every week. The lost are found on a weekly basis. Followers grow and are sent out to seek others. The teaching leads to real discussion and action in community groups and around the dinner table. Lives are transformed. Arise is passionate. Week in and week out, our people come to taste and see that the Lord is good, and they do. Drinking deeply of his goodness and experiencing his power, people make worshiping weekly part of their must-have weekly rhythm, even as more and more drift away from the church in America. Our worship services are led by men and women pushing the boundaries of contemporary worship with creativity and passion. People experience God's presence and power weekly, and it captivates even the unchurched. Arises vibrant. People belong in our community even before they believe because they need the love and care they get in our groups. But they don't just consume. They give more than they get. The one, another, one another's of the New Testament are lived out in community groups, which enables our church to have no cap on growth. People at Arise know that weekend worship is not enough. We all need community, and everyone has a friend at Arise. Arise is diverse. We are an every-nation congregation, and we're multi-generational. We work through our differences and frustrations, and because of that, our community is richer. We seek after those who are different from us and pour into and develop them. Arise is future-focused. Our kids and student ministries are dynamic and joy-filled. They love it, and so do their parents. We raise up disciple-makers and leaders by tackling the topics the next generation is facing and giving them responsibility and leadership now. We create lifelong followers of Jesus who are already seeking the ones in their lives and will continue to do so for the rest of their lives. Arises bold. We proclaim the truth and live it out. We serve locally and globally and love people with the love of Jesus. We seek the peace and good of others. The unchurched want to spend time with our people because we provide the love they can find nowhere else. Arises generous. We are a church of contributors. Everyone knows that we are called to serve somewhere. We have a proven process to help people discover their gifts, talents, and passions and unleash them into the world. So we give our time and our talents to serve one another. We also offer up our talents and our treasures to generously fund ministry in Denver and around the world. 
Plus, we generously share our knowledge, work, and resources with other churches because we're not competing with them. We're competing with Satan. Arise is growing and multiplying. As we seek the one, we don't just add them to our midst. We equip them and send them out to seek others. Every single person sees it as their personal mission to help others follow Jesus. And they are so filled with joy that they must share it. Disciple makers, groups, leaders, campuses, and churches multiply as people are equipped to go out into their families, workplaces, and world on mission. That's the church I see us becoming. Are you in? Are you in? Now, if I could summarize all of this and have just like one statement, I want to give us a goal as a church because all that's good and and that's who we're seeking after, who we want to become. I hope you guys can visualize that. But if we could just have one phrase as our our goal to do that, it's this. 1,000 strong who seek the one. I think we need a goal so we know where we're going. (laughs) And it's a thousand strong who seek the one, a thousand people who seek the one and go out to seek the one. They take that as their personal commitment. I'm going to do it. Even if it's just one person, I'm going to go after them and love them and encourage them and put them on my shoulders and bring them back. We seek the one. So what I'm going to ask people to do today and over the next three weeks of this series is to take this commitment. Some of you are already ready to do it. Some of you need to pray about it if you're ready to commit to this. But we're going to take these commitments for the next three weeks. We're going to do this every year um, until we get a 1,000. <laughs> and every start class we have, we're going to ask people to join us and take this personal commitment as well because we want a 1,000 strong who do this. We are all on this mission together. And if you're looking around and saying, well, we don't have a 1,000 people here, you're right. Okay, it's going to take some work. We've got to grow. We've got to reach more people in order to do this. And if you're like, well, a thousand people won't even fit in this space, well, you're right. We're gonna have to blow the walls off this place, which we can't technically do because it's a historic building. But figuratively, we might have to do, right? In order to have a thousand people who are saying, this is our mission, we're gonna reach Northeast Denver, we're gonna reach the world, and we're gonna seek the one. This is gonna take some work, and it, I don't know how long it's gonna take, right? But this is our vision for however long it takes that we could be a thousand strong who seek the one. So if you reach under your seats right now, there should be a card and there should be a pen. If you're ready today to take this commitment and you're saying, I'm in, you don't have to know how to do it, okay? That's what it always is like. I don't know anything about the Bible. I haven't figured anything out. I like just got saved. Like, how could I help anyone? You don't have to figure it out. You take the commitment will help you get there. That's what we're about, helping you get there. But some of you are ready to take this commitment today and and you'll be part of this a thousand as we start doing this. And if you're ready to take that commitment, I'm gonna ask you to write on that card. And can you hand me that one so I can kind of hold it for a second? Thank you. And if you could write on this card, your name goes first. The second line is for your email. I'm gonna send you guys some emails to encourage you. And maybe share some stories. I already got a really cool story that happened during first service. In the, like, God was already at work. 
which is really cool. So I'm going to share some of these stories anonymously as, as we begin to seek the one together. And then the third line is for your one. Who's that one person that you're going to go after? You don't have to put a hundred names. You don't have to put a thousand, just one. Some of you already might have 15 names you could put. I just want one. Who's the one you're going after right now? Who's lost? An unchurched person, someone who's struggling, someone who needs some help. And you're going to go after them and you're going to commit to that. And we're going to pray for that person. If you have something that you want us to pray for, for that person, fill that in the last line. And we're going to um, pray for it anonymously. We're not going to share any of these names with anybody. Okay? But the staff is going to be praying for them. Our elders are going to be praying for those people too. <clears throat> so what we're going to ask you to do in a minute, if you guys can write that down, is I want you to come up physically and in just a minute, I'll tell you when. Okay? There's magnets in these baskets. And I want you to take your card and I want you to put it right on this metal grate up here, okay? You already see we got a whole bunch of cards, already a lot of commitments that people made in the first service. If you're online, we wanna do it as well. There's a little link that you can fill out a digital card so we can have that information and we'll be following up to encourage and pray for you. But this is what we want, a thousand strong who seek the one. Think of the dent we can make in this city. How much light we could shine into the brightness, brightness into the darkness if, if we just all commit to this. A thousand strong who seek the one. We're gonna start changing the city. We're gonna start changing the city. So would you all pray with me right now? Lord God, I pray for this vision. Lord God, that you would accomplish it. We know that we make plans, but you are the one who established our steps. And I pray that you'd lead us to become this church who seeks the one because you sought us first and we go out to seek our ones, to love them, to go after them, and then to carry them on our shoulders if we have to, to bring them home. Lord, give us the strength and the knowledge and the skills to do it and help us as a church be that bright light shining into the darkness. Now with eyes still closed, there might be someone in here and you felt God calling you. He's been carrying you for a little while. He's been seeking after you and you know it. You feel it in your heart. And maybe you're coming home for the first time and you're ready to make Jesus your Lord and Savior and join him on mission. If that's you today, I want you to just repeat this prayer after me so that you can accept Jesus and find the best life now and eternal life later. So with everybody's eyes closed right now, if you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud, repeating after me, to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time. So please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I've strayed. Save me, forgive me. In faith I declare, Jesus is Lord. Give me the gift of eternal life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you and seek after others, carrying them on my shoulders to bring them home. Now, with eyes still closed, if you said that prayer today and today you are coming home, if Jesus today is your Lord and Savior, we want to celebrate with you and we want to be happy because God is happy. So could you please raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Put that hand up in the air. Praise God. Let's celebrate. Praise God. Praise God. Lord God, we are so grateful. We celebrate with the angels as people come home, Lord. You have saved them. You have brought them back through your son, Jesus Christ. And now, Lord God, send us all out 
to seek the ones in our life that others can experience the goodness, the mercy, the forgiveness, the love, the new life that is only found in you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.